Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 288 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is a defining diabetes episode that is a companion piece to episode 287. So episode 287 is a diabetes pro tip with Jenny Smith about illness, injury, and surgery. And this defining diabetes episode is all about ketones. They go together. So if you're having sickness and illness, you might have ketones, and that would make all of this important to understand. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by the merch store at juiceboxpodcast.com. That's right, Juicebox Podcast Merchandise is sponsoring this episode, which is to say that I am. Now, why am I taking the time to tell you about this? Large price drops on all of your favorite stuff. The merchandise supplier I'm using has dropped their prices, which allowed me to pass that savings on to you. Some of the drops in cost are significant, so go take a look. Juiceboxpodcast.com. You click on the link in the like, so what do you do? Hold on a second. Maybe I don't even know. Juiceboxpodcast.com. Then there's a little thing in the top corner, top left corner. It's like three little lines. That's a menu. You guys know that. And then it gives you a little drop down and merch is one of the things you can choose. And there you'll see some reductions of three, four, two. I think one of them's down like $6 maybe. Let me see. Well, there's some shirts that went from $24.90 to $16. So check it out. All of the money that I make on this stuff goes back into the podcast. I've recently upgraded audio equipment. I need a new computer and I have to add a microphone because I think Arden's going to come on the show in 2020. So I'm going to need another mic. Anyway, all that stuff that you guys buy goes towards helping me with that. I really appreciate it. Juiceboxpodcast.com. And now defining diabetes with Jenny Smith. You know Jenny from Integrated Diabetes, right? If you want to hire Jenny, go to integrateddiabetes.com. Check her out. Send her an email. Her email address is also right there in the links in your show notes, and you can find it also at juiceboxpodcast.com. All right, you ready? Defining Diabetes, episode 288, the companion piece to 287 with Jenny Smith. This one's going to be really appropriate because some of the stuff we've done recently. I'd like to define ketones and then explain to people when they happen and why they happen and how they change your insulin needs. Okay. So, so, and the reason that this throws me for a bit of a loop is because there's the keto diet that works off of ketones, but those aren't. That no, not off of ketones. There's a keto diet that works off of ketosis, and there's nutritional ketosis. Okay, and there's ketones that you get from not having enough insulin because you've been put into ketosis for not having enough insulin. But being put into ketosis for not having enough insulin is not the same as being put into ketosis because of your nutrition. And I don't understand why that sounds like something. My wife said to me that I didn't understand and I just nodded along with because I didn't want to get yelled at, right? Like that totally when, when like I was talking to Vicky on the podcast the other day and about her ketone diet and how, or her, see, it throws me off, about her keto diet and how she boluses for it. And when she explained that part of it, I am not going to lie to you. I nodded along like Vicky and I were married. And I was like, oh, I get that. I completely understand. Yeah, sure. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I, <laughs> you looked at it and you were like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I, I, uh-huh. I, I, what? I asked a question. I was going to ask the wrong question. And then I was going to look like an idiot. And I didn't want to do that. So I thought, I will just talk to Jenny about this. Um, so I guess let's break it down into ideas first. Type 1 diabetes, I don't have enough insulin. 
is one of the reasons I could produce ketones. Is that right? Right. And so in name wise, you're right. It's kind of like ketosis versus ketoacidosis. Two different things, right? Ketoacidosis essentially refers to DKA, and it could be a potential complication of, you know, having type 1 diabetes because we are at a complete insulin deficit, right? Mm -hmm. That's the reason we either pump it, inject it, inhale it, whatever you're going to do, you got to have your insulin, right? right? Um, And essentially, if you are in DKA, it essentially makes your blood too acidic, And that changes the normal function of many of the organs in your body, like your kidneys and whatnot. Um, I mean, you have to get treatment for DKA. You do. Um, Hydration is a huge part of it. And DKA is a result of a, it's a a significant deficit of insulin. Um, It can happen for lots of reasons. Either, you know, your pump site has failed and you didn't realize it and you're sleeping overnight and you don't have a CGM and you didn't get an alert for it. Or it could be because of illness. Um, and high blood sugars and not eating. Um, And sometimes starvation ketosis can lead in illness to DKA um, because of the way that the body isn't getting enough food and the potential for higher blood sugars and not correcting them and whatnot. So ketoacidosis is not what you want at all. (laughs) And it can happen very quickly. I mean, um, in less than 24 hours, um, you know, you can, um, in a body that doesn't make any insulin, you, you can be in DKA very quickly. Right. Um, so ketosis is different. It's essentially the presence of ketones, mm-hmm. which aren't harmful. And I will say that again, ketones are not harmful. In fact, most people, I mean, who, who with diabetes has regularly tested their ketone level unless they're ill or have a high blood sugar. That's when you're told to test your ketones, right? right? Ketones, however, are very common if you test first thing in the morning. You are in a fasting state. Okay. And so in the morning, if you tested ketones, even if you're not on a ketogenic diet or a low, low low-carb diet, Many people wake up with ketones, low level, very low level in the morning because they're in a fasting state. And in a fasting state, your body is essentially relying on fat stores to keep you going. Because overnight, you're not eating. In any fasting state, you're not technically eating. But your body still needs to get energy or derive energy from something, right? So it resorts to fats. So basically, when you wake up in the morning. God, I'm sorry. That produces... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say... You could have ketone. Basically, when you wake up in the morning, had you gone to... Say you went to bed at 10 p.m. and you woke up at 8, for the last 6, 7, 8, 10 hours, you've been at the beginning of your low-carb diet because you haven't... You That's right. right. You, have yes. not, you haven't taken and in any carbs, so the body begins to do what it does in a low-carb situation. Yes, and your body is essentially tapping into your stored fat to burn something for energy in a place where there is no food coming in. I mean, unless you're the person who sleepwalks to the fridge and eats overnight, I can guarantee you're not going to be in, you know, you're not going to have low level ketones, fasting ketones in the morning. Um, But in terms of people who do choose the ketogenic diet, um, essentially you are 
teaching your body to no longer rely on carbohydrates for energy. Mm -hmm. But you're not doing it in a deficit of insulin. People with diabetes who are following a ketogenic diet and are eating very low carb, and by defining low carb on a ketogenic diet, it's typically less than 50 grams of carb a day. Mm -hmm. Most are following less than that, usually more around like 30 grams or less a day to maintain nutritional ketosis. And so what does the body revert to? It burns fat. And so those, those diets on a kind of a flip side of what we the ADA typically teaches, which I will say it here, um, is, has tended in the past to be very carb heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) that's where I'll leave that. Uh, (laughs) but the flip is the, is true for a ketogenic diet. They essentially consume about 70 to 80% of their nutrition calories from fat, right? And very little from carbohydrates, somewhere between, you know, maybe five to 10%. And then protein is also very lean in a ketogenic diet. And that, it's not a high protein, high fat. It's a high fat, mild to moderate protein and very low carb intake. And do you, in that diet, Vicki told me that you get the glucose because your body turns the protein into glucose. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, yes, actually. So with, um, that's why you have to be kind of really conscious of what you're taking in if you're aiming for a true ketogenic diet. If you're truly maintaining ketosis, you can't have a lot of protein. You have to look at how much is coming in because you're so low carb that in a low carb environment, your body will resort to protein conversion to glucose. Okay. So if you're taking in too much protein in such a low carb intake, your body's instead of taking in the fat and using it for fuel and being in true ketosis, your body's going to say, hey, there's some protein here in excess of what I need. Let's just use that for glucose. So it's it's a fine line of, of managing, um, which is why, you know, when somebody comes to me and wants to talk about ketogenic diet, I, you know, there's nothing specific about any diet that I'm like, nope, don't do that. Don't try it at all, whatever. I'm happy and willing to work with whatever kind of plan you want to work on, but you have to understand the difference between all of the things that are out there. You have to do your homework and it it takes work. It takes upfront work of really understanding healthy and safe nutritional ketosis. I put, I put Vicky's episode talking about bolusing for her, for her keto diet and your, and my episode about fat and protein. I put them up on the same day because in my mind, they looked at, at two different things from the same angle and different with different theories. Like, but they, they all fit together to me. Correct. I I thought you really needed to hear both of them to, to understand. So, okay. So two things I want to go back to. The first thing is if my blood sugar is very low and I feel like you said this before, but I want to make sure I'm clear, but I'm sick, I could still end up in ketosis because I'm likely not eating. And am I getting a, am I getting a mixture then of ketoacidosis if you're, yeah, yeah, you're right. If you're, it's, it's a fine line and it's one that we talk about a lot with people now on low carb diets and talk, in talking about illness and illness management. Mm-hmm. If you're already in ketosis um, and you are then not really 
eating and blood sugars aren't necessarily going to be excessively high unless there may be an infection. We know that infections are such a stress on the body that you will likely have higher blood sugars. But high, that's typically defined with the worry for DKA is greater than 240. And it's why many meters and pumps and whatever, if you put in a blood sugar that's more than 240, it says check for ketones, right. you know, right? Oh, no <laughs> right? Right. I uh, probably remember that from, you know, PDM. It tells you right away, check for ketones with the blood sugar. Um, but if you are ill and you're running higher blood sugars than normal, let's say you are typically running at 90 because you're on a new, you know, um, a ketosis type of diet. Now your blood sugars are running at 140. 140 might not be a bad blood sugar, mm-hmm. but it's, and I hate the word bad, but, you know, for somebody who 90 is normal, 140 is like, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm 140. And quite honestly, an illness, you may end up getting yourself into the potential for trouble with ketoacidosis, even at a number that doesn't look, quote unquote, high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and, and again, what goes into that is the management of hydration, the management of the amounts of insulin that you need. If you're typically running at a 90 blood sugar, but your blood sugar is now 140 or 150 and you're not eating and you have normal ketones floating around in your body, those ketones could get higher than they should be in nutritional ketosis, leading you into DKA. So that's, that's again, we're defining like ketosis versus ketoacidosis. Those ketone levels are very, very different. In ketoacidosis, if you're doing a blood glucose or a, a glucose or a blood based ketone test, not a urine, but a blood based ketone test with a monitor, you will have very high ketone levels. I mean, four, five, six, um, on the scale of measurement. In ketosis, typically ketosis is, depending on what you read, could be anywhere between a value of like 1.5 to 3-ish for normal ketone levels in nutritional ketosis. Um, And people who are really trying to follow a ketogenic diet, they typically follow their ketones. If Mm. they're trying to maintain that, they're doing a good job about maintaining and once once they have a pretty standard to what they're eating and taking in and whatnot through the day they may do it less often unless something changes again for them um but for the most part they they really try to follow their ketone levels to make sure that they're in that safe like nutritional ketosis range gotcha. okay jenny was probably stunned like watching me think which I don't think she does very often. Usually I'm just waiting to talk. <laughs> I'm like really listening. Um, you were looking at the ceiling at it if you were I, I expecting like, like, oh, like or something. You're like, what's coming? <laughs> trying to absorb what you're saying. I And I have one like last question wrapped around this. And, I, and I'm wondering if, if I'm not seeing what I think I'm seeing. So I have one real clear memory of Arden having the flu. And, yeah. And she... Her blood sugar was low. This is prior to CGM. Her blood sugar was always around like 75 or 80 while she had the flu. Sometimes she'd be low. She was sucking on candy for days. Every I'd be like, here, put this in your mouth. You know, and she'd suck on it for a little bit. I'd reach in. I'd be like, give it back. You know, like I was literally like just trying to get sugar in. But then all of a sudden she's got ketones and they're like two on the blood glucose meter that we have or the blood ketone meter that we have. And I call the hotline to the, you know, the hospital and they're like, you have to bolus for those ketones. 
And I just said, what do you mean? They said, well, she needs two units, one unit for each number. Like she was one, if she was one on the ketone meter, we'd have you give her one unit. If she was two, you have two. So her blood sugar is right. 85. She's like six years old. She weighs nothing. And they want me to give her two units of insulin. And so I was just like, you sure? And they're like, yeah, I, I had the flu too. So I was probably like, yeah, all right. Well, I mean, I guess if this is how we go out, like, let's try this, you know? And I, I, I gave, and I, and I gave her the, <laughs> I'll do what they're telling me to do. Hey, two units. Can, I'll blame this lady at the funeral is what I was thinking. Right. Like, so I gave her the two units and it worked and she didn't get low. And till to this day, I can't explain that. Like, I don't understand that well enough to explain that to anybody, but I know what happened. I watched it happen. So. Right. And that it deals with like on a physiologic level. Um, I f- to explain it, uh, I guess, in a simplified way, because mm-hmm. I don't I don't know all of the physiology completely behind it. But in a setting of ketones from like a DKA or, you know, ketoacidosis kind of setting. The body requires more insulin to overcome the ketone level in the body. Mm-hmm. And so even at what what was looking like a normal level of glucose for her, in fact, on the lower end, right, 80, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, she's not eating anything, and I'm going to give her two units of insulin. What you needed the insulin for was clearing of the ketones. And along with that comes hydration as well. And I would expect they probably were encouraging you to kind of, you know, force as much fluid as possible, right, get it in. But, um, I mean, there are some very defined ketone management strategies for how much extra insulin you should be given Mm -hmm. based on where your glucose is, what your ketone level is. Um, It has to do with how much insulin do you currently use um, from a base basal amount and how much extra should you give to a correction for blood sugar um, to overcome the ketones that are also there along with that blood sugar. So typically, let's say blood sugar of 200, you would use one unit to bring you down to your target of 100. With ketones, there's a there's a percentage extra um, that you would need to incorporate to say, okay, 200 to also clear the ketones along with bringing this blood sugar down. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a certain amount extra to that one unit you would normally take to actually start bringing it down and get rid of the ketones. And so when they tell you you're bolusing for the ketones, there's really a much bigger physiological thing going on. It's just sort of how we talk there about is. it. Right. Correct. Okay. So is this attached to the concept of if my blood sugar has been, say I'm not sick and, you know, it's a regular day, but my blood sugar has been 300 for a few hours and where you would hear me say uh, high blood sugars require more insulin, this is why? Is it possible that, is this part of it, do you think? Or like, what you know, when your blood sugar is high and it's stuck and you need more, do you think you have ketones at that moment you don't realize or No. That's a good question because I don't, you know, I don't think most people really are again testing if they've got a one-off high blood sugar for right. eating the whole cake versus only eating one slice. You know, right. um, I mean, in that setting, the high blood sugar that requires a little bit more insulin, I think that there are more variables there potentially. Again, a miscalculation to carbs right? So of course, you're probably going to need some extra insulin, not just to correct the blood sugar, but to correct for food that you didn't account for before in the original bolus. Okay. 
Um, also, I mean, and I kind of call them sort of sticky blood sugars, right? Mm-hmm. Sticky in the fact that you just, you have to take more insulin and thus the strategy of sometimes even using a temporary basal increase around a high blood sugar along with a bolus to get it to start moving more effectively. Um, I don't, you know, that's a really good question if ketones are maybe potentially in the picture there already or, right. you know, how quickly do ketones really start to kind of develop? I mean, they're more so in the picture of, like a true ultimate insulin deficit, right? right. Um, I have a feeling that it has more to do with kind of what we actually just talked about a little earlier is like that resistance. Mm-hmm. I know, that's what I was just thinking. I was like, Duh. Right? Yeah. <laughs> is that like a resistance? Is there, you know, something? Um, but for most people, I would say people recognize that above about a 250 blood sugar, it takes a bit more insulin for whatever reason right. to bring the blood sugar down. So, yeah. So with all these, you, if your brain can wrap around all this, bless you. I think that's great. And if you can think of all this stuff in the moment and make better decisions with insulin, that's great. But just in case you're like me, Scott has very kindly boiled this all down to more insulin. <laughs> so just, I know it's, that's just the day when I realized there were all of these different factors happening and I couldn't figure out what they all were. I just thought, I, why don't I just resolve myself to the fact that this requires more insulin and I'll use right. more and that'll work. And it does. So, all right, cool. Well, that one, I don't even know. I don't even think I can call that a defining device. That was like a mini like pro tip episode on like a bunch of words that are all sound the same. That, by the way, again, when people use uh, develop language, don't make one thing ketone, the other thing ketosis, and then the diet keto. You, you, you confuse people. I go right back to the looping thing. If I want my, my, my sensitivity factor to be more powerful, the number should get larger, not smaller. Whoever set it yeah. up that way wasn't thinking about me in my regular life. And I, feel that, I felt that <laughs> they way. They were thinking about math. They I, were not thinking about the regular layman brain. Yeah, that's great. I got a lot of engineers telling me how to think about my insulin. So I just, <laughs> I'm just telling you that you don't say keto ketosis and ketoacidosis and expect people to keep that all straight. But anyway, try yeah. not to, try not to. It's get kind ketosis. of the same reason that that Dexcom uses the GMI instead of A1C in their predictor in their clarity reports. They had to get rid of that being an A1C because it technically. A1C is specific to the hemoglobin and whatnot from a test in the bloodstream and whatnot. So they, I, I would assume legally they couldn't use A1C. So they had to figure out a new fancy word for it. So glucose management indicator was yeah. the next best like term, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Je- Jenny so. doesn't even realize she just teased another episode for you. So we're not talking about that right oh. now. But that is definitely one of the things we're going to talk about eventually. Thank you, Jenny Smith, for being here with me today and talking about ketones. Don't forget, go to integrateddiabetes.com to find out more about Jenny and to hire her to help you with your blood sugars and etc. Thank you also to me for sponsoring the episode, which is to say I'm thanking you for considering buying some merchandise. Juiceboxpodcast.com, upper left corner, click on the menu, go to merch. You're going to see a huge drop in costs for almost every item that's available proceeds go to me. I pay taxes on those proceeds and whatever's left, I'm going to buy a computer with and a microphone. So this episode came out at the beginning of the week when it normally would come out on Friday, but there will still be an episode on Friday. Don't you worry. And look where we're at. 
December 2019, 388 episodes into this podcast. So let me see, you're going to get one more on Friday, and then I might start going to a Monday-Thursday schedule instead of a Tuesday-Friday schedule. I'm thinking about that. So anyway, there's going to be one on Friday the 13th, then you'll get the 16th and 19th, and I don't let up just because of the holiday. You're going to get one on the 23rd, and then the day after Christmas, it's like two, four, it's like five more, and then on the 30th, six, there's six more left in this year. Boy, I could have just said there are six more episodes left in December, but you know, what am I going to do? If you don't want a shirt and you still want to give me a gift, you can donate to the podcast. Again, I am not a charity, so I'll pay taxes on it. And whatever's left, computer payment. Or if you can't afford any of that, but you still really want to help, help my soul by leaving an amazing review. Like go to Apple Podcasts, you know, and or your podcast player, whichever one you're using, wherever you can like leave a review. And if the show has been truly helpful to you, please describe to others how it has been, because that might make them think, hmm, maybe that could be like that for me. And then maybe they would come check out the show. And of course, you can always just share the show with a friend or an acquaintance, somebody who you think may enjoy it. Last thing, if you're a thoughtful person about your management and you try to stay away from the drama about type 1 diabetes, but you're looking for community, may I suggest the private Facebook group for the podcast, the Juice Box Discussion Group. You have to answer like a couple quick questions like, you know, what my connection to diabetes is. It's basically to make sure you're not like a robot. And then once you're in, you'll have a community of now 1,800 people who are answering questions to each other. It's a very collaborative and supportive group. If you're into something like that, and you know, no drama, no head games, go check it out. All right, there's going to be links to all of this in your show notes and in the episode guide at juiceboxpodcast.com today. Uh, links for Jenny Smith, links for the merch, links for the private Facebook group. You know, I said that was the last thing, but, but one more last thing. I am incredibly, I was just looking proud to say that this podcast ran 86 new episodes in 2019. 86 new episodes. And I believe that in 2020, that number will be more like 100. It's really cool. Because obviously, these episodes wouldn't exist if the interest wasn't there. I wouldn't be here like pumping out all these episodes if no one was listening. I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess nobody cares. And then I might stop. But it's clear that you guys care. The downloads are insane. In the time it took me to tell you about the 90-some episodes that ran, what I say, 86 episodes that ran in 2019, 40 people downloaded the podcast. Like in that time frame. It's incredibly cool. So I appreciate your support. I appreciate you listening to old episodes, telling other people about the podcast. really is absolutely heartwarming. All this makes me incredibly excited to start season six right away in January. When? Let's take a look. Pulling up my calendar. Hmm. Looks like you'll get one in January right around the 2nd, right after New Year's for the first time. And I even think I know what episode I'm going to give you then. I think I am. Something uplifting for the new year. We'll start off strong. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Juicebox podcast, for sharing it, for buying the merch, for continuing to support the OG sponsors, Dexcom and Omnipod and Dancing for Diabetes. And of course, the love I expect you're going to give next year to new sponsors, the Contour Next One blood sugar meter that Arden uses, and GVOKE. You know what GVOKE is? Hmm? It's glucagon. 
pre-mixed, pre-filled, ready to go. More about that next year. So next year, we're going to talk more about the Contour Next One from Ascensia, Gvoke Glucagon, of course, always Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes, and who knows what else. But for now, those are the sponsors that keep the podcast floating. You are the oars that propel it along. Imagine that. You're the oars. We're cruising through the clear water. Just once in a while, hearing the oars just break the surface. And we're moving along gracefully. Mm, Gracefully. Stiff wind at our back. Helping people get their blood sugars where they want. Mm. As they were still. You get it, right? And then variability's coming down. People's stress is melting away. As the show becomes more popular, it affords me more opportunities to go visit people in real life, give these great talks. We're winning. You understand? We're way ahead. All the other boats are behind us, and they're just like splashing through. Their oars are just like slapping the water because they don't, they don't, not us, barely breaking the water, cruising along. That's the Juice Box Podcast. All right. This is it. We're done now. If you're interested in seeing me live, my event schedule is at the Juice Box Podcast Bold with Insulin Facebook page. So it's Bold with Insulin on Facebook. Go to the event link. There's also ardensday.com. Scroll to the bottom and click on events. Coming up, Oklahoma City. That's coming soon, January 11th. Uh, Dallas, February 16th. That's at the Greater Dallas Type 1 Nation event. Georgia Type 1 Nation event, February 29th. I'm going to be doing an evening in Appleton, Wisconsin, or right around. Yeah, Appleton, Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure it's exactly where it's at. March 26th. It's a Thursday night, I think, from like 5 to 8 p.m. Just Scott talking, not one of those type 1 diabetes events. Sort of a juice box podcast live event just for you, Wisconsin. Then on May 30th, I'll be down in Orlando, Florida for the Touch by Type 1 event from Dancing for Diabetes. And on August 22nd, Richmond, Virginia, Type 1 Nation event. And I think... Think we're still in talks in Indianapolis and somewhere else. I'm not sure, but if I do many more of these, my wife's going to shoot me. So I think this might be it for the, the short term, but I'm always interested in hearing about 2020 at the end of the year, 2021. If you know somewhere you'd like me to be, reach out. I'd like to be there.